0: that you matter. You matter so much that for you, God sent his son to be your savior. We prayed, then I listened very closely as we prayed the Lord's Prayer. Now, I listened this morning when you prayed the Lord's Prayer, and I say that you prayed it with a little more gusto than my motorcycle friends did, but they did pray it, and it was really cool. I raised up my hands at the end of our little Sunday morning service and I said, The Lord bless you and keep you, as I'm going to do for you in a few minutes. As we were all being dispersed, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Boss, thank you for doing that. And somebody else said, I've been to many of these and we've never done that before. I think he was a little astonished. And to be honest with you, I was a little astonished at my congregation that Sunday morning I'd like to ask you this though what has been astonishing to you lately I mean your life is a little bit different than mine we all have different circumstances what's astonished you is it how people can say such strange things Or are you astonished by something happening at work or something happening in your family? Or are you astonished by an accomplishment in your life? I am asking you, what is astonishing you? Are you astonished that there are this many people in church at 9.30 on a holiday weekend? Maybe you're astonished that you're here. What is astonishing you? Well, the text that was read talked about the Decapolis, and so I thought I should show you where it is. It literally means the ten cities. And it would be today in Syria. And that's where Jesus is doing his ministry, his ministry of healing, his ministry of preaching, his ministry of forgiving sins in the Decapolis. And in the Decapolis, like in Menominee Falls... Jesus astonishes people. Now, for a lot of people, they view Christianity like climbing a ladder. you got to climb your ladder to reach God. And if you climb high enough, if you climb hard enough, then you're going to be okay with God for eternity you got to work at it. you got to do. The question is, is you've never done enough. Now, that's not Christianity. Climbing a ladder is not Christianity. Christianity is when God climbs down the ladder into your world and into your life. So none of us this morning can be shaking our finger at God and saying, God, you don't understand what I'm going through because the God of Christianity, Jesus climbs down the ladder and deals with everything you are dealing with right now. And the writer of Hebrews says he was tempted in every way, just as you are. Christianity is God climbing down to the ladder into the mess. And sometimes it's really a mess, isn't it? But God came near. God comes near to Jesus. Now, there's a whole bunch of people that you work with, maybe that you live with, your neighbors, and saying, what is God like? If you want to know what God is like, take a look at Jesus. He's God in the flesh. You want to know how God deals with self-righteous people? Take a look at Jesus. You want to know how God deals with a guy who can't hear and can't speak? Take a look at Jesus. If you want to know how God deals with people who have sinned in their lives as you and I have, take a look at Jesus. God comes near in Jesus. Would you read it with me? They brought a man to him. Rather simple, isn't it? But I don't want you to miss the significance. This guy had friends, and they brought him to Jesus. Just like this morning, a little one was brought to Jesus in baptism. They brought him to Jesus. My parents brought me to Jesus. And I imagine that somebody brought you to Jesus whether it was the baptismal font or they brought you to Jesus because they invited you to church and they brought Jesus to you as they shared his life and his salvation. But God uses imperfect people like us that people might know Jesus together, who was deaf and had a speech impediment. Like every one of us, this guy had some issues physical issues, and I know that more of, more than a few of you today are dealing with physical issues And if it's not you, it's a loved one And if it's not physical issues, perhaps it's emotional issues Or spiritual issues All caused by sin in this broken world So he comes in need Just like I come to church this morning in need, and you come to church this morning in need. Simply that Jesus would lay his hand on the man and heal him. Or forgive me. Or forgive you. This is the God of the universe who cares about people in need. And I know that sometimes you feel like you've been forgotten by God. I know sometimes you feel like God has given you the raw end of the deal. But this same Jesus reaches out to you to touch you with his word and his forgiveness. Are you astonished that after all you've done, he's still interested in you? Are you astonished that even though you got some sins you are very embarrassed of, He calls you son and daughter? Are you astonished that you and I have neglected the things that God wants us to do, and yet He invites us again to be His servants? Does that astonish you at all? Well, in the text, and I love the text, uh, since I'm a farm boy from Wisconsin, I like earthy stuff, Okay? Did you notice in the text what it said? After he took him aside, the man, away from the crowd, Jesus just put his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spit. Then he spit. He spit and he touched the man's tongue. Now, in ancient times, it was said that spit, saliva, had medicinal purposes. What if somebody spit on you? Has anybody ever spit on you not on purpose? But they spit on you, and you say, don't spit on me. And here's Jesus spitting on his finger and touching the man's tongue what in the world is Jesus up to? the man doesn't run away he lets Jesus do his thing well back in Belvedere there was a grandma and a mom and a grandson who would sit in the front row in church and then I found out that they were sitting back a few pews and so uh, Finally, Grandma told me what happened. Noah said, Grandma, I don't want to sit in the front row anymore because every once in a while when Pastor Bus preaches, he spits. So I noticed these three pews are open here, right? Did Howard tell you that last week or something? So the last Sunday I'm preaching church is full. They're finally glad they're getting rid of me. And guess where Noah and grandma and grandpa have to sit? Right there. There's Noah with an umbrella, ready to go. Uh, Well, I, I tell you that so I can tell you that Jesus used some spit. And Jesus spoke his word. But Jesus... It says in the text, Jesus what? Groaned. Oh, what was read said sighed, but I like it when I hear that Jesus groaned. Jesus groaned. What are you groaned about? Hey, if I asked you this last week, what have you groaned about, what would you say that you've groaned about? What have you groaned about most in your life? What did you groan on the way to church this morning? What did you groan about? It is significant that Jesus groans. He groans for the man. He groans for the world. He groans for himself. We're going to find that he groans on the cross. Jesus groans because he knew that you were going to groan. Jesus wept because he knew you were going to weep. He groans for the man, and he groans for you. And then he does something. He says to the man, not only does he spit, but he says, "Ephetha," which means be open. He opens the man's ears and he opens the man's mouth. The man's changed because of Jesus' spit and Jesus' word and Jesus' power. Just like you are astonished that Jesus can touch your life and Jesus can forgive your sins and Jesus can send you out of this place here today. Well, what does the psalmist say? So we used to sing it in the liturgy, O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. Would you read it with me? At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. He was a changed man. And he's astonished. And the people are astonished. And if you confess Jesus as Lord, you are a changed woman. You are a changed man. You are set free from your past to open your lips, to open your ears, and to bless the world. Now, if you're like me, I've prayed for some miracles in my life. I mean, if you and I were really honest, and we were talking, and just the two of us, I bet you could tell me about a miracle you prayed for in your life, and I could tell you about a miracle I prayed for in my life. Every miracle, though, is caused by a problem. There's a need that needs to be answered. Maybe your miracle happened or maybe your miracle didn't happen. I bet you know somebody today who prayed for a miracle. They earnestly asked God for a miracle. They didn't get their miracle and they quit coming to church. But remember that God does these miracles for his purpose. And I just want to remind you of why Jesus does miracles. Jesus does miracles to show compassion. Jesus does miracles, don't miss this one, to prove the power of his word. Every miracle of Jesus is associated with a word of Jesus. (laughs) Jesus does miracles to reveal that he is God in the flesh. And lastly, and very importantly, Jesus does miracles to show that the reign of God is present. Everything messed up by sin gets taken care of by Jesus. Jesus. Jesus makes all things new. You might feel old and crabby this morning. You might be thinking, when is that guy going to be done talking? But when you walk out of church today, you have been made new in Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God has come to you. That's why he does miracles. We took this picture last evening in the middle of my sermon, <laughs> not really. Have you ever felt that way? This is, this is, it's, it's entitled, Child Bored During a Sermon, okay? So my first pastorate was in Gilberts, Illinois, and I was a little more daring then than I am today. So I was preaching on preaching, and I said, how many of you have ever been bored in a sermon? Every hand in the church went up. In fact, people wanted to stop the sermon and give testimonials on how my sermon bored them. I did not allow that to happen. I have pride, okay? Then I asked him this question. You've all heard a boring sermon, and I've preached boring sermons. Have you ever known a boring listener? That wasn't as funny. Notice. A boring listener. That's the one who's flipping around on the clicker when you're trying to talk to your husband, the boring listener. Or it's the person who sits in church, you know, and I know we all slip through the bulletin like going down, right? There's a little thing where you look at it down below the pew so you don't offend the pastor. But I remember somebody early in my ministry in Belvedere who takes it up and she's like this. And I want to say, I can see you. So there's boring preachers and there's boring listeners. But I want to tell you that this guy might be boring, but there's nothing boring about the God of the Bible There's nothing boring about what Jesus continues to do in the lives of his people and Jesus in the lives of his, uh, in your life He makes all things new be astonished And when you leave church here this morning, you walk out of the grace, I want you to let somebody else know that you are astonished by the great things not only that God has done, but you are astonished by the great things God continues to do through Jesus, crucified and risen from the dead. Be astonished. Let the world know that you are astonished, that you are still astonished. There is power in in the cross. So happiness would be like this. Happiness would be that when the Cubs come into town, they lose all, all the games, okay? That's happiness. And I'm hoping that happens. But it's happiness, it's circumstantial. Joy is relational. Now, if I asked you today, would you like more joy or less joy? I'm thinking you'd say, I want more joy. Joy starts in our relationship with God. Jesus died and rose again for you. You are at peace with God for now and eternity. Joy starts. But you also know that joy starts when you are connected to people that love you and cheer you on. Happiness is circumstantial, joy is relational. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you were known for a jo- as a joy-filled person because you have it right with God and you have it right with the people around you? It starts in the power of the cross. So next summer, there's a synodical convention, which I know many of you, most of you, almost all of you are not interested in. But I kind of like the theme, Joyfully Lutheran. I don't know about you, but have you met, every Lutheran you've met, have they been joyful? <laughs> Are all the Lutherans here at Grace joyful? Somebody's pointing over that way. Who is it over here? Wouldn't it be wonderful if that you and I who Jesus has touched with his word and opened our ears and opened our lives, will let the world know that there is something joy-filled about being a Lutheran. Could you walk out this door today and bring that kind of joy to the world? Could you bring that kind of joy to the relationships in your life? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you show up in unusual places. But we know that this morning you have shown up right here with us. The deaf man who had a speech impediment, you touched his tongue with spit. You spoke the word, "Ephetha be open, and he was healed. And the people were astonished We pray that that kind of astonishment would fill Grace Lutheran Church in Menominee Falls. We pray, pray that we would also be astonished by the love and forgiveness that we have seen and known in Jesus Christ. Forgive us for when we're less than joyful. And forgive us when we act like you, Lord Jesus, are boring. There is nothing boring about what you have done and there is nothing boring about what you continue to do in the lives of your people. Bless this congregation. Bless the witness of our church family in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And may we walk out of this place today, our sins forgiven, joyfully Lutheran, because of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.